Cats in the cradle with the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. But we'll get together then, Dad. You know we'll have a good time then. All right, I'm terrible. I'm a terrible singer, but thank you. Thanks, Brandon. Harry Chapman wrote that song in the 70s, and he sang it. And if you listen to it, it's heartbreaking. My son turned 10 just the other day. I'm not going to sing anymore. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do, he said. That's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed, and he said, I'm going to be like him, yeah. You know I'm going to be like him. Son ends up just like the father. As the father concludes his song, I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle. The kids have the flu. But I'm sure it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as he hung up the phone, it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. We're so busy, we're so distracted. We miss the most important things. We're so hurried, we're so busy, we're so distracted. Doing, uh, we forget to be with the ones we deeply love. The most important thing you can do at the turn of the year, and then to set the rhythm for the rest of your year, the most important thing you can do at the turn of this year, and then to set the rhythm for the rest of your year, is to sit with the Lord. To decide, I am not too busy to sit with the Lord. And make that the rhythm of your life. We've decided to do a series on silence and solitude. Our hope was last week that you got this opportunity to kind of taste a bit of sitting with the Lord. I, I got emails and texts from uh, more of you than normally said, thank you for that time. You, you know uh, why? What happened is we, we, we stopped and we sat with the Lord. This week we'll look at how do we set a rhythm for sitting with the Lord at his feet. And next week, we'll kind of get into the content. What do we do when we sit there with Him? What's that look like to engage with the Lord intimately and deeply? Uh, we tasted it last week. If you weren't with us last week, uh, please go back, uh, watch online, uh, and, and do that kind of uh, reflection and meditation. We have uh, provided two sheets that we're asking everyone to kind of do at the turn of the year. Uh, the Reflect and Resolve sheet you can do personally and then in your community groups in 3Ds. You can find this on the resource page. The second is just my own personal reflection. Kind of what do I do every year annually to sit with the Lord at the turn of the year? 
Uh, it was a, a joy to sit with them this past week. I mean, uh, I, I looked back over my calendar. I scrolled through all my pictures from the year. I, I read my journals from the year. And I just thought, man, Lord, you, you, you showed up in some profound ways this past year. God, uh, I remember that time being deeply sorrowful uh, in that one moment. But I couldn't remember why. And, and then I saw it in my journals. And I remember, oh, that's why. The burden was greater than I could carry. But, Lord, you carried it with me. Remember that family trip we took to Philly? I had forgotten it. It is a day of just joy together. And the Lord saying, here, take this blessing. I pray that you would do the most important thing at the turn of this year, which is a sit at the feet of Jesus, reflecting on how he walked with you this past year and how he was walking with you in the coming year. And then you and I, we, we would set ourselves a rhythm this coming year to do the most important thing, which is to stop doing and start sitting with him. Oh, we'll get into this text. It is one of my favorite in the scripture. It has become kind of the text for my year coming up. Oh, I don't want to forget this one last thing. We have this on, on January 28th. Uh, if you uh, do your own reflection, wonderful. Uh, if you've set the pattern and rhythm of uh, silence and solitude, wonderful. On the 28th, uh, we've reserved the Shrine of St. Anthony. It's uh, just, uh, you drive just about half hour north of here into the, 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 the boonies, <laughs> surrounded by trees, a beautiful place. January 28th, we've got it for our church to just silently sit with the Lord. We're going to have a silent reflection. I think it might be the best few hours you spend. You'll have to take a half, or half day or full day off work uh, to do so, and I think you'll find it beneficial. So it'll be in Luke chapter 10 that we might kind of hear the story of uh, how the Lord prioritizes sitting at his feet. And then we'll kind of get back into it a little more deeply just for two principles that come out of the story, this interaction with Martha, Mary, and Jesus. And then we'll say, how to? How do we do this? How do I begin sitting, setting this rhythm in my life of sitting with the Lord? Because life is chaotic now. All right, let's get into it. The story, Martha and Mary. Luke chapter 10, uh, again, I encourage everyone to bring uh, the Scriptures with you. We meet the living God every week in His Word that we might be transformed, refreshed, encouraged, or convicted, and then compelled by grace. So let's, uh, let's all bring our Scriptures uh, to meet Him every week. Let's jot uh, down ideas. We've provided journals for everyone. Um, you can snag those at the back table uh, now or next week. And so uh, let's meet the living God together. First, a story, then two principles we'll dive into more deeply than how to. How do I create this rhythm in my life? Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. I love this because Jesus is always kind of uh, walking around uh, and in tow, his disciples follow him. As they went on their way, they're learning from everything he does, every interaction he has. And as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. This is uh, Bethany. It's about a mile and a half, two miles outside of Jerusalem. And, and they've probably walked through the Kidron Valley. It's this little kind of dip in the land. And, and they're here in Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house because hospitality is so important in first century uh, Jewish living, right? And she says, come on in. And, and, and she ha and her sister called Mary, uh, who sat at the Lord's 
feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, uh, Martha, uh, Mary, and Lazarus, that's their brother, uh, this isn't the only time they show up in the Scriptures. They show up in uh, Luke chapter 10, but then also John chapter 11 and John chapter 12. Uh, you, you, maybe you remember the story of Lazarus. He, he has died, and then Jesus kind of slowly makes his way uh, to Lazarus' house, and, and, and he embraces uh, Martha and Mary. They're weeping because their brother's dead, and, and Jesus will raise him to life. And then in John chapter 12, Mary is the one who anoints Jesus' feet with uh, ointment in her hair. This is uh, three folks that Jesus really loves. They're tight friends. They're close. Martha welcomes Jesus into her house. And she has a sister, Mary, in contrast, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. She sits and listens, but Martha, verse 40, was distracted with much serving. You can, you can picture it. Martha's like, uh, this isn't just any kind of ordinary house guest who's come over. You know, uh, when somebody important comes over, your mother-in-law is going to make her way over or someone else, and, and you're like, want to impress them. You're making sure that the, the house is ready, the, the food is being cooked, uh, everything's kind of tip-top shape, maybe even you dusted. Martha says, this is an important meeting, and she is working her tail off. And Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? It's just because he cares so deeply for Martha that he's going to act the way he does and say the things he says. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? This is that kind of sibling rivalry thing going on a little bit, right? Like Martha's probably the, the, the firstborn, kind of driven. She's getting after it, and she sees Mary there sitting at Jesus' feet. And maybe it's because she's a little jealous that she's there, that she says, don't you you see her there sitting when I'm working so hard for you? Don't you care? Tell her to help me. But, <laughs> but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You never want to get the head wag from the Lord. Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled. Troubled, the word can be translated angry. You are anxious and angry. You're distracted. The word can be uh, translated. You're circling about, missing the main point. You're anxious and angry about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Mary's chosen the thing that's necessary, and I'm not going to take it away, Jesus says. It's the better of the two choices. Uh, let's get into this a little bit more deeply. Uh, principle number one uh, comes out of verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted with much serving. See, everything is a distraction if we do not first sit at the feet of Jesus. Everything is a distraction if we do not first sit at the feet 
of Jesus. And, and here's what this can't mean, right? The contrast of Martha and Mary. Here's what it cannot mean. It can't mean uh, we shouldn't be people who are active and serving and doing. Uh, notice even the context of the passage. It's just come over after the Good Samaritan, which, which ends with a command. Verse 37, he said, the one who showed him mercy, that's who the neighbor is. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise, right? The scripture is full of commands of doing and actively serving, right? And getting after it. This cannot mean don't be active, don't be uh, a servant, don't get after it. Uh, you go back to the creation, right? God is getting his Martha on, right? He, he is creating, he's doing, uh, but then he rests. And, uh, but also remember in creation, before the fall, what's created? Work. Work will show up again in heaven. It just will be without toil and sin or striving for identity. Work is good. Doing is good. Uh, Ephesians 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In creation, we see God working his tail off and work is created before the, before the fall. And, and here we see uh, our salvation uh, naturally uh, moves into our obedience, our effort, our works. This can't mean that we're to sit back and, and, and always just, um, sitting at the feet of Jesus, never doing anything. You would have showed up this morning and there, there'd be ice everywhere, there'd be freezing cold in here, there'd be no band to lead us in worship, I'd have no sermon for you, right? If, if we're all just merry sitting around doing nothing. This morning happened because we're full of Marthas, right? And we need more Marthas. You hear about it every Sunday, right? We need people serving our kids downstairs. We need people welcoming with a warm smile. We, we, we need Marthas. At Jesus' return in Matthew chapter 25, he says, you know, he comes up to this group and gives this kind of parable of the goats and the sheep. And he says, you guys, you, you didn't do anything. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me a drink. When I was in prison, you didn't visit me. You didn't do anything. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. This passage here is to say, for those of us who are running around, right, uh, getting after it, distracted like Martha, this passage here is going to say the opposite, which is to say, you were doing all this stuff for me. You were never with me. I never knew you. You never knew me like you could have. This is kind of the warning uh, that uh, John and Jesus give to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verses 2, and four, two to 4. The church of Ephesus, uh, uh, John will say to them, he'll say, and you guys are you're striving, you're doing tons of work, you're persevering, it's amazing. But then what's he say? But you have forgotten, you've left your first love. It doesn't mean don't do work, don't be active, but it does mean you're first at his feet. Then we're at his service. We are first at Jesus' feet. And then we're at his service. What do I mean by first? 
primary. Uh, Jesus says, but one thing is necessary. Uh, the, the primary thing of our life, the, the numero uno of my to-do list, is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Repetitious. That this is so important, this is first, that it shows up over and over again in your schedule and my schedule. And when possible, chronological first. I met a guy, I met a guy, I was telling him about the new rule of life that the Lord is kind of instituting in my own life this year and how I'm ordering my rhythms. And he goes, yeah, for about eight years I've woken up at 4 a.m. to spend three hours with the Lord. I'm like, I shouldn't even be a pastor. That's what I thought. <laughs> this guy is crushing it. <laughs> First, primary, repetitious, chronological. First, we find ourselves at the feet of our Lord. It matters that we are with Him before we are serving and doing for Him. It means we are people who uh, be and are His uh, before we do this or that. We are His. We are yours alone. We run into your arms, as we just sang. Mark chapter 4, and I intentionally did not mark all my scripture passages because I want you to turn there with me. I want us to feel the pace of what being with the Lord feels like. Mark chapter 3. You can turn there with me. And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. He appointed 12 whom he also named the apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. And Jesus himself is up on the mountaintop as he often uh, is talking to the Father. And, and then he calls those whom he has desired that they might first what? Be with him. They might be with him first, enjoy him, know him, love him, be shaped by his presence. He might give them identity and remembrance of the grace he's poured out on them to make them his. Then, then he would send them. Go, yeah, go do it. Preach the word, right? Get after it. Uh, live excellently at work with your character and with your efforts and, and proclaim me boldly with your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends. But you got to be with me first, he says. First, primary, repetitious, and if possible, chronological. Be with me to send me. There, one of my favorite stories in the scriptures is Luke chapter 4, verses 38 and 40. You don't need to turn there, but it's Simon's mother-in-law or Peter's mother-in-law. Here's what happened. She's sick with a fever, and then the Lord comes and he heals her, and then immediately she gets up and serves. <laughs> She's healed, and then she serves. She's, she's uh, with and impacted by the Lord. He heals her, and then she serves. I think we are walking around wounded, distracted, running, trying to do more, trying to get more, trying to acquire or trying to attain for ourselves or sometimes for the Lord or just running after other distractions, wounded. 
because we are not sitting with our Lord first. Do not be distracted from sitting with the Lord because your attention to Him will slowly turn into your devotion to Him and a delight and a transformation with Him. Principle number two I want to look at here comes out of verse 39. Let's go a little more deeply into this piece of the passage. Mary, she has a sister, Martha has a sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Mary did two things. She sat at the Lord's feet and she listened to his teaching. It's a place of a disciple to be at the Lord's feet. It would have been shocking. Uh, Mary, a woman in, in first century Jewish culture, sitting at the Lord's feet as a disciple when she ought to have been doing what Martha was doing. Prepare, get ready to the house for this house guest. And, and she's here sitting. She doesn't care uh, what cultural norms she's going to break. She's going to break them because her Lord and Savior is here in her house and has said, I want to meet with you. And she says, I want to sit and listen and soak in you in your grace. She sits as a disciple, taking on his yoke, taking on his teaching, enjoying him, listening to all he has to say. You can almost kind of feel the rest that's in her soul. It's hectic, it's chaotic around her, but she's just enjoying in the eye of the storm a moment with her Savior. Jesus talks about what it's like to be his disciple, one who sits at his feet first, repetitiously, chronologically if possible. In Matthew chapter 11, just listen to these words, just listen to these words, you don't need to turn there. Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Come to me, he says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, sit at my feet, take upon yourself my yoke, uh, my teaching, my ways. He he says, I want to be the one uh, you come to and receive your identity from. I want to be the one you come to and realize you are accepted. I want to be the one you come to and and enjoy the embrace of. Uh, You are made who you are because you are redeemed by me, Jesus says, so come to me. You're free, you're rescued, you're you're accepted, you're reconciled because of who Jesus is and what he's done. You're embraced because he's given you his righteousness. He says over and over again, would you come to me and enjoy and remember who you are? Take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's light. The yoke is the way of life of the rabbi to his disciple, right? Those who are following him. The the patterns in which he lives, the teachings that he has, the the stuff that will kind of infiltrate every piece of our lives. He says, you got to come and listen. 
you got to come and watch and walk accordingly. How will we know if this is not the pattern of our lives? Martha, Martha, Jesus says you're anxious and angry. Look at our emotions. Man, I was struck by my emotions yesterday. I mean, it couldn't have been captured more than anxious and angry. Jeez. And this is, a, this is after I had decided, hey, this is going to be the year I'm going to sit with the Lord. And guess what? I did. All week I sat with the Lord in a pattern. I think part of me was trusting that I created this new rhythm, this new yoke, this new pattern of sitting with the Lord. So when one thing went off, when I didn't get my way in one thing, I became so anxious and angry and it spewed over into my family. How sick are our souls? You know what we need to do? Not more. Not do more, more, more. Try and be better. Sit with the Lord again. Be transformed by His grace. Remember who you are. Look for your anxiety, look for your anger. On the back end, you'll see you're probably not sitting with the Lord repetitiously first. Look for your pride, look for your excuses. Martha's like, she needs to help me. (laughs) Jesus, correct this one because I'm in the room doing all this work and she needs to help me. I got a lot to do. I cannot sit with you now. I've got a lot to do. I got, a, I got a job which is just pressing every minute out of my day. I, I got a lot to do, Lord. Pride, excuses, anger, anxiety. They'll be our signpost to the fact that we're not a people who sit with Him. The principle that comes out of sitting and listening to His teaching is that the one thing will transform many things, and attention to our Lord will transform our distraction into delight. Life will remain hard and crazy and chaotic and there will be really rough times of suffering and sadness. And there will be just some amazing times of of blessing and joy, right? But they'll all be a distraction if we've not rhythm, pattern, first sat with the Lord. They'll all be covered in anxiety or anger or excuses or pride if we've not been transformed by the Lord. First at His feet, then at His service. Built as a rule or a rhythm to our life or the habits of our life or whatever we want to call it, kind of the the monks used to call this the rule of life. That's kind of like the, the trellis in which the, the vine grows. Uh, that you kind of uh, create this pattern, this rule in your life of sitting in, in silence and solitude with the Lord. That, that then the rest of your activities and all you do and all you're about and your vocation, everything kind of gets woven in as the, as the vine of grapes grows on this trellis that you can then enjoy the wine. The taste and the joy of having a life that's patterned over sitting with our Lord, the 
scaffolding on which everything else is built. Where do we get this kind of idea? To live like this in silence and solitude over and over again. Well, this is Jesus' rule of life. This is his rhythm. The I didn't come around when, when we said, oh, mindfulness, that's what we need. We need mindfulness. Jesus is like, I, I, I live like this. And you ought to live like this. This ought to become your rule, your rhythm, the trellis, the, the scaffolding in which your life, my life is built. In Matthew uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, sorry that reference is wrong. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 3. In Matthew chapter 4, verses uh, 1 to 3, what we see is uh, Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. And I, uh, many years of my life, I had this passage all wrong. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, um, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. There's going to be to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he, he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, and he'll answer Satan here. I used to think this. Uh, uh, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days. He's not eating, drinking. He's, he's not getting all he needs. And he is hangry, and he's tired. He's weak. And Satan comes along. He's like, I'm going to get him now. I don't think that's the picture here. I think the picture is the Lord is out in the wilderness uh, communing in the Spirit, doing what He'll do at the beginning of His day like He does at the beginning of His ministry. And all through His day, every moment there's an important decision or where He's suffering or tired, and He'll go out into a, a desolate, an alone place, and He'll meet with His Father. He'll enjoy community with the Holy Spirit. So much so in this case, he's, he's not even eating. He's focusing so much on his father as he prepares for his ministry. And Satan comes along. He's like, I'm going to tempt him now. And Jesus is like, nope, nope, nope. Strong, mighty, full of the grace of his God, knowing who he is, clarity of calling, knowing what he's about, knowing he will not serve Satan. <laughs> and he will not be distracted from what he's called to. This is the rule of his life. Silence and solitude, sitting at the feet of his father. Mark chapter 1. You can go there with me if you've got your scriptures. Mark chapter 1. We're going to be here for a second. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 37. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. There's that word. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They found him and said, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next town. I don't need everyone who's looking for me. And I may preach there also, for that's why I've come. He sits with his father in silence and solitude in a desolate place, unplugged, phone on airplane mode. And he comes back with such clarity of calling. I'm not here to be a king, a uh, 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 a celebrity. He can say, I don't need the crowds, and he goes on to preach in the next town where he's going to preach. Very early in the morning he goes out. We see that pattern all through his life. 
Turn over to chapter 6 in Mark, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Man, we killed it out there. We were just doing a ton of ministry. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. (laughs) Let's go sit with my father together. For many were coming and going. They had no leisure even to eat. They went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. They ran there on foot. And guess what happens? 5,000 gather around. They don't get a chance to rest. (laughs) I love how honest the Scripture is. What we need is some time alone with the Father and each other. we got to unplug. But then, man, life happens, doesn't it? Life happens. The kids start crying. The baby's on your hip. Like, life happens. The the boss says, I need you now, and you got to go. So they feed the 5,000. It's amazing. Verse 45. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. It's primary. It's of first importance. Luke chapter 5, you can turn there with me. Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. He's healing lepers because that's what you do. (laughs) Verse 15. But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him to be healed of their infirmities. Listen to this. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. But the pattern of his life, but what he kept doing over and over, what what marked the rule, the, the scaffold in which he built all of his ministry, all of his interactions with people, what he kept doing was withdrawing to desolate places over and over to pray. Uh, we're watching The Chosen. It's pretty fun. We're in the second season. It really strikes you because, you know, those little lines sometimes just pass you by in the Scriptures. You're like, there he goes again, right? But, but we're seeing it kind of as they're kind of living now in pictorial form. And, and Jesus keeps leaving his disciples. And they're like, where did he go? Well, this is what he does, verse 16. He would withdraw to desolate places and pray over and over again. It was a pattern, the rhythm, the habit. The discipline of his life, it clarified his calling and it prioritized people. That's what he did. He knew what he was about. And then he wasn't rushed around those who were around him. How to. How to do this. I I think probably most of us are saying, I want to do this, right? (laughs) Most people are not saying... I don't need any more stillness in my life. Or, 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 hey, give me the chaos. I'll take the chaos. I want to keep avoiding the Savior. Uh, no, one, no one's saying that, probably. The how-to starts with an invitation. I love what he says to Martha. 
But the Lord answered her. She's running around frantic, distracted. She's maybe even trying to seek identity through the way that she can keep her house and, and, and stature. And, and the Lord says, Martha, Martha. There's probably a little bit of head wagging there, like I said, but I think there's probably more beckoning. Martha, Martha, you're anxious, you're troubled about many things. And it's an invitation, right? This, this kind of double name thing happens a lot in the scriptures. Uh, Moshe, Moshe, Moses, Moses, uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. It's a, a calling into a different land. It's a, a calling into a new purpose, a, a new reality. And, and Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha, step into this new way of living. Don't keep singing the song. The cat's in the cradle with the silver spoon. Spend time with me. Spend time with me. The necessary elements are what? Well, you've seen them in your sister. Sitting. Unplugged. Sitting with the Lord unplugged. Away from people, if possible. Away from your phone for sure. Sitting with the Lord. Critical element number two, listening. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, and what did she do? She listened to his teaching. Not just are you unplugged, this is not some sort of Buddhist emptying of our souls or our minds or ourselves or getting rid of everything. It's a, a, ingesting Jesus, it's being soaked in Christ, it's being saturated in who He is and what He says to us in His Scriptures. It's, it's prayer and Scriptures. Sitting with Him unplugged, hearing from Him in His Word, talking to Him unhurried. You cannot hurry relationships. You can't multitask relationship. And it's doing things that cultivate our affections for Jesus. We've got to be unplugged. We've got to kind of get some elements of Scripture and prayer in there. But, but it's also kind of doing the things that stir our affections, right? Like I love to go on walks, right? Uh, if it's a hike with my family or a hike on my own, just kind of to walk through, especially in the fall when the leaves are coming down. I love to fish. Get me out on a river where I'm just slinging the flies a little bit and just, just it's a slow pace. i got to tie my flies and as I do so I can pray and, and sit with the Lord and kind of let everything else go and, and meet with Him and rejoice. It's a sacrifice to do it, particularly for my wife. What cultivates your affections is a good book, a good meal. Some great uh, scriptural hymns and songs, things that are getting into your mind and your heart. Uh, but you're not me, you say, right? You don't know my life situation. <laughs> the job I have, you say, is so demanding. Matt, you only work on Sunday for one hour. Or I'm a mom, and I'm a mom of young kids, and i, I got to watch these kids, and they, they never leave my side. And, or, or I'm a single mom, and that brings all these other responsibilities. I have to work outside of the home as well. Or, or man, i got all these activities and these uh, things I'm involved in. And your soul is shrinking, isn't it? Uh, the book we're gifting you guys, you can give a little donation for it if you want in the back. He says this, John Mark Gomer, but the thing is, I feel like a ghost. 
half alive, half dead. More numb than anything else, flat, one-dimensional. Emotionally, I live with an undercurrent of nonstop anxiety that rarely goes away and a tinge of sadness. But mostly, I just feel blah spiritually. Empty, it's like my soul is hollow. This happens in marriage a lot, right? Like uh, you start out gazing into each other's eyes, man, we're in love. And then over time, you become two Marthas running side by side. So your soul and your relationship and your love shrinks and shrivels. Over and over again, don't we have to do this to say, man, I've got to recalibrate how to get table time with the one I love, how to sit and gaze into one another's eyes, how to come to the feet of my Savior and be reshaped to fall in love with him again and to remember who I am in him again, that I don't have to run around in my job in a way where I, I got to get identity there because I know I have it in my Savior. Do this or that to perfection because I got to live up to my mom's standard. Uh, plus, I think we waste a lot of hours. Tristan Harris is doing some really interesting work right now. He's labeled by the Atlantic as the closest thing Silicon Valley has to a conscience. He points out that slot machines make more money than the film industry and baseball combined, even though they take only a few quarters at a time. They only take a few quarters at a time because a slot machine is addictive, and those small amounts of money feel inconsequential at the moment. It's just a few quarters, right? or five bucks, or 20, and over time they add up in the same way. The phone is addictive a few quarters at a time. Small moments, a text here, a scroll through Instagram there, a quick email, scan, drinking online, drinking, dinking around online, it adds up to an extraordinary amount of time. Quick ways to begin, and we'll hit some of these as we talk about the how-tos next week a bit more deeply. Uh, the first is this. The first is this. Your Savior is a Savior of grace. <laughs> if you're like me, you're beating yourself up about the fact that I don't sit at the feet of my Jesus like I need to. He must be so ashamed of me. Who, who am I? I even call him a, myself a follower of him. Uh, first thing is just to remember, your Savior is a Savior of grace who's saying, come spend time with me and enjoy the joy that you, that you might be missing now, but, but the embrace, his desire for you is no less. He loves you and wants you. So enjoy a taste. Uh, we got a taste last week. Many of you, like I said, texted, emailed about it. Man, take a taste. At this turn of the year, spend some reflection time with him. Use the tools on the resource page online. Or, or mark January 28th is the day you're going to get away. For uh, You're going to take a day off work. How many days did you roll over from last year? Spend one of them. Set a rhythm. Make it simple and attainable. Uh, Rick Warren says it this way. Divert daily. Like a couple minutes here or there where you've decided I'm going to step back uh, away from my routine. And withdraw weekly. Take a Sabbath on a Saturday or a Sunday where you're kind of unplugging fully. And, and then abandon annually. Take a day off every year and kind of do a reflection and sit with the Lord in an abandoned kind of way annually. Create a reminder. This is something I want to do in my life. I, I've written it up on our chalkboards in our house. <laughs> Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Remember Matt, Courtney, Jake, Eden, Cameron, all of us here sit at the feet of Jesus. 
and then put your phone on airplane mode. Airplane your phone. Well, why do they ask you to do that on the airplane? Because if the signals keep coming in, the plane will crash. That's why. <laughs> Turn it off. Our souls are crashing. And pray, read, pray. As we head into communion, I want you to take one of your shoes off. Yeah, I know it's gross. Okay. Yeah, it's my ugly foot. Yeah, even if you're at home watching, take one of your shoes off. And I'm psyched you're watching at home. But there's nothing like being in person with the people of God to sing His songs and soak in His scriptures together. So if it's possible for you, man, make it here next week. And if it's not, man, enjoy it online. But if it's possible, come and sit at the feet of Jesus, all of us together. All right, you've got your shoe off. This is my foot. You can look at your own foot. Mary shows up three times in the Scriptures. Every time she's at the feet of Jesus. Luke chapter 10, she's made it her primary importance, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Nothing else is more important to her. John chapter 11, her brother has just died and in suffering, a time of suffering, the first thing she does the text says she runs and clings to the feet of Jesus. Where else would she go but to her Savior, to his feet? There's a ton to be done for funeral preparations. Actually, everyone in the town thinks she's going to do those preparations. And actually, she's running to the feet of Jesus. And then in John chapter 12, Jesus is about to be crucified. And what's the text say? She takes this pound of ointment and she anoints her Savior's feet and wipes it with her hair in this intimate moment of saying, I've sat with you. I know all about you and what you're going to do. You're my Savior. You're the one who makes me, me. <laughs> You're the one who's going to redeem me through your death. You're the one who's going to give me life through your death. You're the one who's going to embrace me through your forgiveness. You're going to make me righteous as you are because of what you're about to do. And she embraces him at his feet. Man, this year, would we be a people who figure out and work hard to find a way to the feet of Jesus? It'll transform your life. It'll transform your relationship with your kids, your job. It'll transform every piece of who you are. He's a mighty Savior who's calling you to sit with Him. So take and eat and remember that and there's no guilt in messing this up. It's a process to get there. Take your whole life, actually. But one day He's going to return. He's going to embrace us then by His grace as He's embracing us now by His grace. And what will happen? We'll be with him forever. Let's take and eat and drink and remember who our Savior is and what he's done.
And let's decide to get to know him deeply and intimately this year.